How is everybody? Good, good, good. Um, during worship, if you kept looking up wondering what was different, something's just a little different than it used to be. Um, Kyle turned 39 yesterday, our worship leader over here. Um, he's walking back that way. If you see him, Kyle's a hugger, so give him a big old hug. Wrap your arms around him. Just don't let go. Um, he likes that. He doesn't. We've been friends for about 15 years. I think we've hugged twice, and it was probably pretty quick. So um, anyways, so we are doing our vision service this weekend. If you've never been here for one of these, um, these are very important to me. And uh, I'll go into why it's so important to me um, for the next couple of minutes, and we'll talk about it. But uh, we'll get back to what we normally do, do an expository teaching, which means line by line through books of the Bible. We'll start the book of Matthew next week. We'll be in that for seven, eight months. It's 28 chapters chapter a week, so you can do the math there. We'll be hanging out in that for some time. Um, but every year we do these vision services, and here's why we do those. Uh, there's a lot of reasons, but the main one is this. It says in the book of Proverbs that without a vision, the people run wild. Some translations say without a vision, the people perish, they die. But it says that divine instruction, if we will listen to what God wants us to do, right, God's vision, and if we can apply that vision to our lives, it will be content, we'll be happy. So it's important to listen to God and to have a clear vision on where we think God wants us to go. Um, we've been doing this fast, and I hope a lot of you guys are doing that. I, I think a lot of you are. And um, I was watching a documentary the other day, and um, it was a documentary that HBO did. <clears throat> it was back in 05 and 06. And in 05 and 06, there was this huge kind of resurgence of Christianity in America. It was very brief. And um, it came in, and churches were growing, and a lot of churches were starting, and um, that is soon, uh, that, that kind of subsided in the last 14 years, 15 years or so, and I was watching this documentary, and um, I Googled up some Gallup polls and some Pew Research and uh, uh, the Barna Group and some other very reputable surveys and reputable um, kind of research organizations, and um, right now in the United States, 10% of the United States goes to church every week, 10%. The best number that we can come up with right now in the United States is 22% of the United States goes to church every one or two months. It's the best we can do right now. And so um, needless to say, we're struggling. And quite honestly, a lot of that is because a lot of churches haven't had a clear vision. We've become arrogant, we've become careless and sloppy, and we have not gone the way that God has wanted us to go. And so we have to get back on track. And I'm talking about, I don't think our church has derailed, our church has grown, but we have to keep that focus that God wants us to do um, kind of in front of us and constantly be talking about it and pursuing it and pray that God keeps his hand on us. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to jump into this. Uh, you should have a notes handout in front of you. It has virtually everything I'm going to say. I think there's some that was left out because I'm going to go over a lot of stuff today. But uh, you should have got that at every, every place where you walked in. It should be on the app. If you click on the Experience Community app, click on service times and sermon notes and all the notes for the vision service should be on there. And we're going to go over, over, over everything today, over finances, over what we're doing now, what we hope to be doing this year, what we hope to be doing in the years to come. And I hope it'll make it just really, really clear where, we're, uh, where God wants us to go and that you guys will jump on board with that, okay? So let me pray. I'll jump into this and we'll see where God takes us, okay? Lord Jesus, we love you. God, I love this church. Thank you, God, for, for all the men and women in this place right now. God, I pray that you keep your hand on us. I pray that you bless our church, God, and that we can see your vision, God, and that we can, we can take that and make a vision for our particular church, and that we can advance your kingdom, God. We pray not just for our church. We pray for every church in our city, God, every church 
that we work with around the United States, all the churches that we work with in other countries, God. And we pray that everything we do, that it honors you, that it brings us closer to you, God, and brings you glory, Lord. Keep your hand on me as I do my best to communicate our vision, Lord, and um, keep your hand on our church, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. So we have a vision statement at this church. And I remember once upon a time, a long time ago, I thought that was very corporately, right? Like, I don't wanna do that. It makes the church sound like a corporation. But when you read the Bible, Jesus had a vision statement. So, and I'll get to that here in a second. But if Jesus had a three-point vision, then our church should probably have a three-point vision. So prayed a lot it and prayed about it a lot and, and uh, talked with other people about it. And this is what we came up with. And it's painted all around our church in various places. But here's what we do here. We want to lead people to Christ through authentic worship, through authentic community, and through authentic community service. Pretty simple stuff. Through worship, through community, and through serving our community in community service. So like I said, though, Jesus also has a vision for his church, and he has expectations of what we, right, the church, should be doing until he returns. Now, not to spoil the book of Matthew for you, but at the end of the book of Matthew in the 28th chapter, it's called the Great Commission. And we find Jesus, he has already been crucified. <clears throat> he is resurrected. He is met with, it says roughly in the neighborhood of about 500 disciples that are following him. And as he is ascending up into heaven, Jesus gives a very straightforward command to his church. That's what we call the Great Commission. He says, I want you to disciple baptize and teach everything that I've taught you to do. Go out to the world and do these three things. Now that's extremely simple, but because we're, you know, often make mistakes and we're imperfect people, we have the entire New Testament that tells us how to do those very simple objectives, those three things. So what are the expectations of God that the Bible tells us? Well, first, he expects us to be a place where we come together as a family, right, and we worship God, all of us. What we're doing right now is biblical. If you ever hear someone say you can be a Christian and not go to church, that is not biblically supported. It is not in the Bible. All throughout the Old Testament, they met at least once a week in the synagogues and the temples, and in the New Testament, they met in the temples, and then it says that they met throughout the week in each other's homes. This is biblical, and it tells us that many times in the New Testament, and when we get together, what we're doing now, the Bible says we're to worship in song. We just did that. We're to hear biblical teaching. That's why we go through whole books of the Bible and we study the Bible together. We take communion, as Jesus instructed us to in the gospel, and we pray together. That's what we're doing in this setting. And when we get together on the weekends, the weekend services are for us to study and learn how to live holy, how to live righteous, we're disciplined by the word of God and we're held accountable by each other. This is also a place, if you don't think about it any other time in the week, because we take communion, we're thinking about repentance. And so we think that we need to address anything that may be wrong in our hearts, bring it to God and remember the cross. That's what we're doing in here. And that is, that's what the Bible tells us to do, to be a place of corporate worship. But we're also supposed to have community. And on the weekends is not really where we find our community. You can, but it's very difficult to, because there's a lot of us. And whenever people say, well, those big old churches, there's no community there. Well, listen, one person can effectively know about 125 people. So any church over 125 is too big for everyone to know each other. You just can't do it. So we have to do it in another way. That's why we have small groups. 
So God is communal. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity of God, God is a communal being. And since we're made in his image, we're made to be communal. So just like this is biblical, it is also biblical for us to get together outside of these walls, or maybe in these walls, but other times during the week, and get to know each other better. And we have a lot of ways to do this at this church. We have groups here on campus, we have groups in homes, we have men's groups, women's groups, married groups, college groups, we have middle school, high school, we have special needs groups, we have Echo for our elementary age, Celebrate Recovery, and a, and a whole host of others. They're all on the app, they're all on the website, the ones that are open. And the reason why these groups are so important is, guys, I cannot promise that I, Corey Trimble, will be there at the hospital for you or that I can do your wedding or do your funeral. There's only one of me and a lot of you. But though I can't promise I can be there, if you have a small group, the church will always be there for you. Because the church is not just me. We are the church. And if you have community, that group will be there in your life for you. Groups are so important. We're also called to be a, a group of people that disciple, which means we're maturing and growing and we're teaching others how to mature and grow in their faith. This is how easy it is at this church. This is what we do. So you're already doing this first one, right? We want people to come into the weekend services, maybe our worship nights that we have three times a year. It's kind of the big open door, right? The first step. When you're in here, we always announced next class. Second Monday of every month, we usually have anywhere in the neighborhood of 150 to you know, more than that that come in once a month and show them around the church. I am a hugger. That's when I get to hug people and say hi and talk a little bit and tell them my story and get to meet people. We do that once a month. And then from that, we hope to get you in this kind of cycle where you're either being developed, going through our classes and different theological classes and financial classes and all the different things we offer, getting involved in a small group and also serving. And that cycle goes round and round and round and round until we either die or Jesus comes back that we're to be in this cycle of developing community, serving each other. It's a good thing. Now, here's the easiest ways to kind of get into that cycle. We do a, a class uh, Mike talked about a little bit during announcements called Following Jesus. It's a seven-week class, basics of the faith. It's really, really good material. The one that we're about to start next week is full. It's got 225, I think, people going through it, which that's amazing. We have another one coming up March 17th, and you can sign up for that now. You can get on the app. You can get on the website. You can go to the back room. Sign up for that. We also have an 11-week course called Authentic Discipleship, which is where we teach you what a disciple means, and then we teach you how to go out and make disciples, exactly what Jesus told us to do. It's 11 weeks. It starts uh, the 23rd. You can sign up for that. It's still open, okay? So we have lots of opportunities for you to kind of get involved a little bit more. We also do, do things like Financial Peace University a couple of times a year. We do divorce care. We do grief share. Um, we do several groups for, for men and women who have really strong sexual addictions or porn addictions, and we keep those groups anonymous. So all you have to do is email lifegroups at experiencecc.com, and we will get a hold of you, and we'll plug you into one of those groups, and, and there's no shame or anything like that, and it's very uh, anonymous and, and very quiet, and, and so a good way for you to get help. The point is this, is we're not designed to just come to church on the weekend and do nothing else. We must constantly be evolving to be more and more like Jesus Christ. We're always disciples. 
Even if we've been Christians for 30 years, we're still disciples, constantly growing and hopefully helping others grow in their relationship with God. Another thing that the Bible tells us to be is a body, a church, is a place where we pray. Without prayer, we are lost. That's why we do it a lot. We do it a lot in services. We push it a lot. I talk about it a lot. Prayer is vitally important. Jesus said, make my house a house of prayer. Without prayer, we're anxious. Without prayer, we don't know the will of God. Without prayer, we're spiritually weak. And so the church is called to pray both corporately, right, like we're doing right now in a setting like this, We have prayer at the end of church. We have prayer after announcements, after worship, after I speak. We do it multiple times throughout the service. That's good. There's power in corporate prayer. But we're also called to pray individually. We're also called to come to the front like we do at the end of service and let leaders of the church lay hands on you and pray for you. If there's anything going on in your life, these are all biblical things. Prayer is powerful. We also offer the Lord's Supper, communion in here. Now listen, I'm very passionate about communion. I don't get to take it as much as I would like, but I'm very, very passionate about it. At the end of every single service, we've been doing this for almost 11 years now. We offer the body and blood of Jesus Christ, the bread and the wine, right? And what that does is no matter what we talk about, we end every service talking about what Jesus has done on the cross, and it gives us an opportunity to repent for our sins so we don't go back out there holding anything, right? So we can leave everything in here. Now, here's what I ask of you guys. If you choose not to take communion, that's fine. Some people don't need to take communion. What I mean is, you, <coughs> sorry, you might have some phlegm in your chest. Um, <laughs> you might have some unrepented sin. That was mine coming out right there. You might have some unrepentant sin, and you don't need to take communion because you haven't dealt with that yet. The, body, the, the Bible says if we take communion without repentance, it's like taking condemnation unto ourselves. We don't need to do that. So if you're not taking communion, I ask you to respect that time. If you're gonna talk, go out in the foyer, go out in the parking lot, respect the people who are taking communion in here. If you are taking communion in here, make sure you repent for your sin, okay? Make sure you ask God to forgive you before you take that. It's a big deal. We're also to be a church that does community service, that we're to go out and help the community around us. The Bible talks about this a lot So what we do at this church, because we do services back-to-back, two on Saturday, two on Sunday, it makes it very easy to kind of be like a one-stop shop, if you will. You can come in, because I know everyone's busy, I know that, but you can come in, you can attend a service, like let's say you attend the nine, and then you can serve at the 11. Or you can uh, uh, attend the 11 and, and serve at the nine, you can do it backwards, or you can do it on Saturday. The places where we need the most help right now is with Emerge, That's our special needs ministry. We have two full-time people that do that. I think we're ministering to about 60 to 65 families right now. But the reason why it's so important that we have more volunteers is we can only bring in more families who have kids with special needs if we have more volunteers because it's a one-on-one ratio. We give those kids a lot of attention and a lot of time and a lot of care. So the more people that volunteer, the more families we can bring in that have special needs kids. We need help with Echo, that's uh, uh, elementary age down. We need help with nursery. We need help with parking. You guys know that. That's where all of you lose your salvation is out in our parking lot, and then you come in here, get that back. Um, But we need help with that. And uh, we don't have enough parking, and so we need a lot of help. Now, 
those of you that are on the parking team or that change diapers in the nursery, you may not think that you're doing anything huge for the kingdom. You are. If people can't find a place to park and if people can't put their kids in a nice, safe environment, they can't come in here and hear the gospel. It's a big deal. And so we need to step up. And even the things that seem small, right, it's a huge deal because we all work together like a, like a machine almost, and it opens up the door for people to come in and hear the life-changing truths that are taught from the Word of God. We also do a lot of work with nonprofits. That's one of our strengths here at the church. We give away a lot of money to nonprofits. We have great relationships with nonprofits, and we would love for you to serve in the church, but we'd also love for you to serve out in the community somewhere. So you can get information at our missions wall. You can uh, email Travis at Travis at experiencecc.com, and he can get together with you and give you some ideas. We also do 5,000, which is a homeless ministry and low-income ministry here at the church. We go out to the park every single Sunday morning. Great team of people that do that if you want to get involved with that. We do the bar ministry. Don't get too excited. We wait outside of the bars on the square, and when people come out of the bars, We give them free hot dogs and water, and we just help them get sobered up before they drive home. We do the reclaimed ministry to where we go to the prison system and the workhouse, and we minister to men and women in the prison system. We do that because Jesus directly tells us to do that in the gospel. So any of these things that you want to get involved in, we would love for you to get involved in these things. We are also called, and this is not always a popular thing to say, we're called to serve and help people within the congregation first. And then the Bible says in Galatians, as we have opportunity to go outside of that. But because we have such a good church, and I'm just bragging on you guys, we do a ton of work outside of these walls. And it's kind of what we're known for, and I'm very, very proud of how much you guys do that. But we would love more of you guys to get involved with that. Great picture, isn't it? We're also called to be a place that shares the truth with other people. Listen, I believe in the social gospel. What I mean is this. I believe that we need to go out and do good works for the community around us. I think we are to feed the poor, clothe the naked. Again, Jesus told us this. Visit the prisoner. Jesus told us to do those things. We should. But here's the thing. If we feed everyone, clothe everyone, visit everyone, but if we never share Jesus Christ with them, we have ultimately failed. We have to share the gospel with people. It's not just doing good things because the Bible says they're only gonna hear the truth if we speak it. We have to tell them the truth as well. Jesus actually modeled this for us. When we get into Matthew, if you love Jesus and you've never gone through Matthew in in, in detail, you're going to love Jesus even more. Jesus was so fiery and great. There's this one time in the Gospel of Mark, though. There was a paralyzed man laying there, and Jesus had the reputation. Everyone had, had this reputation of him as being the miracle guy, right? So crowds would pile around, and they wanted to see him do something crazy, a miracle. So he walks up to this paralyzed man in Mark chapter two and Jesus sees him and the crowd's around and they're like, oh yeah, here we go, right? Jesus is gonna do something crazy. And Jesus leans down, looks at the man and says, be blessed, your sins are forgiven. And they're all like, that wasn't that great, right? It was kind of a letdown. And Jesus knew the people's heart and he looked at them and he said, what's more important that I save his soul or his body? The body is temporary, the soul is forever. And so he makes the point that the soul is more important, but because Jesus gets a little sassy in the gospels, he says, hey man, just get up and walk too. The guy gets up, walks away, right? That's fun. Isn't Jesus fun, right? Okay. 
So we're doing our best to spread the gospel in Murfreesboro, in Woodbury, and in College Grove, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later. We know that it's also important outside of Tennessee. So we go to New England. We sponsor four churches up there where church participation is somewhere in the neighborhood of 2%. We have a young man from our church that's actually working now at the church in Burlington, Vermont, uh, Jordan Bay. I'm very, very proud of him. We send money up there annually. We help them however we can. We also know that God said to take it to all the corners of the earth. So we do work in Uganda, in Togo, Africa. We do work in El Salvador, in Haiti, and we're trying to do as much as we can and and be as efficient as we can. I'm actually going to talk a little bit more about that here in a second too. So here are some new things that we're doing this year, and they'll be kind of constant things, okay? The first one is this. Once upon a time, we could only uh, do a merge at a couple of the services, And as more people have volunteered, we've been able to expand. And as we hired more people to do the Emerge ministry, we've been able to do it at all four services. So if you know anyone that wants to come to church, but they haven't been able to because there's uh, uh, not a, a program for their special needs child, we can do it at all four services now. They can come to any one of our four services. And what's neat about this is we're not just doing children. They plan on, once we get this other side built out, we're gonna expand that into uh, adults with special needs services as well, which is gonna be really, really neat, yeah. Um, I lost an elder recently, Muhammad Shaban, because I hired him here. He's gonna be in charge of all of our pastoral care, and we're gonna try to step it up a little bit. Here's the trick, let me, let me tell you guys the trick if you're ever hiring people. Find someone that's been working 70 hours a week for 20 years, Work them 60 hours a week, and they think you're doing them like a huge favor. That's what I did with Muhammad. So uh, he's been working a lot for a long time, and so it's good. Anyways, we hired Muhammad. He is going to be doing uh, all of our pastoral care. There's now a button on the app. There's a button on the website. So if someone is in the hospital or if someone has passed away, um, we'll send them flowers. We'll send someone out there to go pray with them. Um, if you've just had a baby, we'll make sure that we go out there and, and get something for you and visit you. And if there's prayer requests, please let us know because now we have someone that's, that's their job. Another thing that Muhammad and, and uh, another individual at the church who used to pastor the Arabic Baptist Church who comes here now, they're going to be starting an Arabic small group. Now, that's not exactly what maybe you think it is. It's not going to be a small group for Muslims or Arabic people. It's going to be a group, and I, don't, I think it's not going to be that small, but we're going to open it up to everyone in our church. If you have a heart to share Jesus Christ with Arabic people and Muslims, Uh, Muhammad and Majid are going to come in. They're going to teach you guys how to build relationships with Arabic and Muslim people and how to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with Muslims in your community. That'll be starting in the next couple of months, okay? We also have two young ladies who are going to move to our house in Jinja, Uganda, and start doing work on the islands in the middle of Lake Victoria and the very remote rural areas of East Africa. Uh, They will be moving there in the spring, I think in March, and uh, they will help us lead our teams over there. They will start putting medicine on the islands where people don't have access to it. Uh, We're gonna put thousands of Bibles. They don't have very good theology in Africa, and I'm not trying to be a jerk. It's because they don't have access to Bibles. So we're gonna get them thousands of Bibles to go out there. They're gonna do pastoral training for the different ministers in Africa and teach them good theology. We're actually gonna take them through the following Jesus course that we do. And so we have two people that are committing to at least a year of doing work in Uganda, Africa, and I'm very, very excited about that, okay? Um, So right now as I speak, Dave Ashworth is teaching at our campus in College Grove, which is Williamson County. 
So I'm also asking for, for you, if you live out in the Rockvale, Eagleville, College Grove, Chapel Hill, Unionville area, if you live on that side of the county or in one of those other counties, what is that, Williamson, Bedford, and there's another one out there. If you live out that area, uh, we really need about 100 people from this campus to go out that way. Uh, this service is a little lighter than our normal 11 o'clock, uh, probably because of the three-day weekend and a football game that's on today, but, um, which starts at two, right? You have plenty of time. Anyways, so, uh, but usually it's pretty packed in this room. It's pretty packed at our nine. It's pretty packed at our five now, and our seven is kind of getting full. So we need some people to go out that way. Also, uh, our, our campus in Woodbury, our Cannon County, Camp, Cannon County campus, they went to four services this weekend. Listen to this. Saturday night, they had 220 people on Saturday. That's pretty amazing. That church right now is running about 475, and they only have 210 seats. They're doing a great job. But if you live out in that Cannon County area, I'd rather uh, overpopulation be Josh's problem and not mine. So go out that way. Visit that church. Um, Josh Jamerson that was singing here in the middle today, he is launching Crossland Church in Antioch in, uh, on Easter weekend. And so if you live out in the Antioch area or if you just have a heart for that area, please get Josh, talk to him. It's not gonna be an experienced community church, but they're gonna be very connected, kind of a sister church. I'm still gonna meet with him every single week. We're gonna be connected. We're gonna financially support them. It's gonna be really, really good. So those are all things that are coming up this year or they're already in, uh, uh, started. So here's the part where everyone goes to sleep, our finances. So last year, this church averaged about 4,000 people, this, this, uh, this campus, and we gave about $4.8 million. Now, that's a good thing. Kind of a rule of thumb in bigger churches is a healthy bar is $1,000 per head annually, and that includes everyone. So if you run 4,000, you should bring in roughly about $4 million. You guys almost gave a million dollars more than that. That's great. Now, here's how we'd build a budget at this church. It's the safest way to build a budget. We take what was given the previous year, we take that number and we build a budget based on that for the current year. So I'm gonna show you where $4.8 million is going to go in 2020. Now, the reason I do this is I'm gonna, if I'm gonna ask you for your hard-earned money, I think I owe it to you to show you where every single dime of it goes. That's just how I feel about it. And when churches are not transparent about their money, it causes me a lot of concern and it should honestly cause you a lot of concern. So I'm gonna show you where every single dollar goes. About 38% of that goes towards personnel and benefits. Now listen, the average without health benefits for a church is over 50%. We're at 38%. And I'm not trying to say that to complain. I'm just letting you know no one's getting rich working here. You can ask anyone that works here. Uh, a big part of that number, and we all tithe back, by the way, too, so take 10% off of that. Um, another thing is that includes our health benefits. Our health benefits are extremely expensive. Uh, mine alone is $13,000 a year for my family. It's very, very expensive. And so 38% goes towards administration. There's also other administrative expenses. We hire the sheriff's department to be here at our services on the weekend. We hire the police department to be here on Wednesday when all the Eon and Encounter kids are here because we want to keep them safe. We have a maintenance department. We have an outside CPA. We have an accountant here, but we have an outside CPA that just makes sure that we're doing everything honest. These are our taxes, and this is also our child care for all the small groups that meet here throughout the week, okay? 
Our mortgage is $504,000 a year, but we don't pay that. We almost double it. We pay $960,000 a year. The reason why we do that is I hate debt more than everything, but it's the only way we could get into this building. And so we bought this building with the understanding that we would pay it off in five years. We've had it for two, owned it for two, and actually it looks like we might pay it off in four total if we can stay on our plan and aggressively pay it off. Okay, that's a good thing. We give away 20%. I will never go below that. There's sometimes the temptation, oh, we've got to pay this building off. Well, let's just drop it down to 10. We're never going to do it. If anything, we're only going to give more money away. I think it's one of the reasons why God has blessed this church. So we give away 20% of everything that comes in. This year will be uh, just shy of a million dollars. Our ministry expenses are just the cost that it, that it takes to do all the different stuff we do. Our operating costs are the really boring stuff, our utilities for this very inefficient building, our printing, which you wouldn't imagine how expensive that gets, building repair for this 110-year-old very inefficient building, and our insurance for this very old inefficient building. Um, our savings is going to be everything bigger than what the 4.8 is. So if you guys give 5.8, I'll be honest with you, I probably won't stick in savings, I'll probably just throw it on this building. I'd just love to pay this thing off. Our Woodbury campus is completely debt-free. We bought that building with cash. Everything's good there. So it's very inexpensive to keep that up. It's about $300,000 a year to keep a congregation of almost 500 people going, which is dirt cheap. Our Eagleville campus, we just started. It's gonna be about $124,000 this year to keep that going, and that includes Dave's salary in there as well. Now, here's the thing about giving at this church. I talked about giving a little bit last week as we were in Malachi chapter three and four. I don't know who gives at this church. I'll tell you who I do know who gives. I know that my staff gives. I know that my elders give. And there's a group of individuals that I'm going through a discipleship class with personally right now. And I know if they give. Here's the reason why I know that the staff, our elders, and that group gives. I'm not going to put anyone in charge of your money that doesn't also contribute to the church. I'm just not going to do it. They have no right to be in, in any kind of leadership position here if they do not give to the vision of the church. And so those are the only people I know if they give or not. You guys, I have no idea. I don't want to know. Some people also argue, is it a New Testament thing to tithe? Though the New Testament never says specifically 10%, in the New Testament, they sold all their positions, lived in communes together, and gave everything away. So, if, I mean, if you want to go that route, I guess we could, but I think 10% is a good bar to kind of hold us at, right? <laughs> it kind of suck, wouldn't it? I mean, I don't want to live with all you guys. I love you, but anyways. So here's the thing. If we're going to advance the gospel, it's going to take time, it's going to take energy. It also takes money to feed seven or 8,000 people a year. It takes money to send people to Africa. It takes money to plant churches. It takes money to buy curriculum for the kids. It takes money to keep the lights on. Everything costs money, okay? So that's part of it as well. Let me move on, though. How are we doing with all of this? <clears throat> the first thing is we're doing amazing. The church grew, this campus grew 23% last year. Now, that's actually one of our smaller percentages in recent years. We would usually grow 40%, 50%, but that's because we were smaller. When you get to be a church of, we're right now about 4,600 people at this campus, 23% um, is a pretty substantial number. We grew 500 people in the last two weeks, and so that's a pretty substantial jump. We actually baptized a lot less people in 2019 than we did in previous years. Now, let me explain that to you. We baptized 215, and that's amazing, that's great, but we're being a little bit more thorough about who we baptize. Now, what that means is this. If someone comes up and they're like, Corey, I've been baptized 12 times, but I'm feeling like 13's the magic number. <laughs> I'm gonna say, man, 
you don't need to get baptized again. You just need to stop looking at porn or whatever the sin is in your life. You just need to repent for that and, and stop doing what you're doing. You don't need to be baptized for the 13th time, right? People think there's something magic. I'm like, it's just tap water, guys. It's symbolic. So, you know, like, you don't have to get baptized 19 times. Um, and so we've talked some people out of baptism. And so we'll just pray with them and, and get them some accountability. And so those numbers have kind of dropped down. We used to just let anyone jump in there, right? No explanation, no talk, and we're a little bit more stringent with it now. Here's where you guys are really shining. Um, participation in small groups at our three campuses is 52%. That is unheard of. That is just extremely high. Think about it. If we have 5,000 people between three campuses, that means over 2,500 people are in small group communities. That is absolutely amazing. That is fantastic. Our serving is also staggering. There are churches literally all over the country that they've seen these numbers at our church before and they're like, how do you do that? And I'm like, we just have good people, but we have almost half of our adults at this church serve in some capacity. That's that we know of. There might be even more than that that serve in nonprofits and do other stuff. That is a staggeringly good number. When it comes to people who give, that's a very hard number to quantify. Uh, The average uh, church has about 10 to 12% of their congregation that gives. It looks like we're somewhere in the neighborhood of about 37%, which is still low, but it's three times better than the national average. Now, when it comes to giving, it's hard because if you own a small business, sometimes people will write one big check a year or they might write a check quarterly and it's just weird. And and so we try not to get caught up in the weeds of that, uh, but it's about 37% of our church that faithfully and recurringly gives to the church. So comparatively, and guys, I'm not just trying to like butter you up, you're you're doing phenomenal. If you were to compare us to most churches our size, again, our numbers are staggering. But here's the thing. I think we need to be careful not to get arrogant about that. And I think we also need to be careful to brag on 50%. If you get a 50 on a test, that's not amazing. So I'm not trying to down how good we're doing, but we don't need to be satisfied. We don't need to be satisfied until everyone's being discipled, everyone's plugged in, everyone has community. Every, we need to constantly be growing and getting closer to God. Here's what we have to be careful of, guys. We don't want to become just a, a bunch of entitled consumer Christians. There's too many of those out there, and it's not working for us. We have to be servants. We have to be hungry. We have to love those around us and want to give and serve and bless others around us as we continue to grow as well. Okay, here's what I'm really excited about. Here's kind of our plan, all right? I'm gonna try to, to, to pitch this well. All the stuff we're talking about today isn't really about the experienced community, it's about the kingdom of God. We want more people to go to heaven, less people to go to hell. That's the point of all this. So what's wonderful is two of the three campuses right now, we're getting pretty close to maxing out. I know there's a little bit of room in here right now, but there's not much. And again, this is kind of a lower 11 o'clock service. But like our nine o'clock, our five o'clock is getting really full. We're getting pretty tight. We got about 4,500 people at this campus and we have 1,400 seats in this room. So it's getting tight. Our Woodbury campus is getting tight. Here's the thing. Neither one of our campuses are gonna move. What I mean is this. We're not gonna get out of this place, go into a bunch of debt, buy a bunch of land on the outskirts of town and build some monstrosity. I'm not gonna do it. I don't think that's what God wants us to do. We're not gonna do it. So if we're gonna continue to grow, we have to do something. What is that going to be? Here's what I think God has told me that it's going to be. We have to do two things in the next two years. They're both very, very important. One of them falls a lot on me. I have to disciple some senior pastors, people that can start churches. I just started a group with some guys. 
I'm going to start walking them through a bunch of leadership books. I'm walking them through, with the help of some of my team, a bunch of theological books. We're going to work through how to build lessons and curriculums and all this stuff towards the end of that. That's the first year. The second year, I plan on bringing them on as paid interns. And then year three, I'm going to kick them out and they're going to start churches. Now, the only way that's going to work, and I just started that last week. We started those classes. I got two years to train up some pastors, okay? And we'll keep doing this over and over and over again, but these first two years are crucial. In the next two years, if I can train up those pastors and if we can pay off this building, what it does is it frees up $100,000 a month in our budget, $1.2 million. Now, listen, let me tell you why those things are so important. The church we just planted in College Grove, it costs us about $100,000 to plant a church. So $60,000, that includes, that's for a mobile church. That's for all the trailers. That's the audiovisual equipment. That's the chairs. That's the dividers for the kids. It's everything we need, $60,000. Then if we pay a minister, let's say we pay him thirty grand and give him health benefits for his family, there's another $40,000. It's hundred grand for the first year, Okay. If we pay off this building and I can disciple up 11 or 12 people to plant churches, in two years, we can theoretically plant a church a month for a year. We can go out to Manchester. We can go out to McMinnville. We can go out to Watertown. We can go out to Tullahoma. We can go out to these small rural areas. And the reason why we do that is because no one's planting churches there. They want to plant churches in, in big growing cities because it's, quite frankly, it's easier and it's more lucrative. It's a whole other conversation for another day. But most of the drug problems we have are in small rural areas. Most domestic abuse and divorce is in small rural areas, and they're being completely ignored. We found that out when we planted a church in Woodbury, a church of 2,000 people. They had a couple of churches, but I'm not trying to be a jerk. The churches weren't really doing anything in the community. So we plant a church there, and in two years, it grew from 25 people to 500 almost in two years in a city of 2,000. They need it. And these other areas that we're looking at also need it. So this is our plan. Pay this building off, disciple up some people to go plant churches, and hopefully this church will grow, and then I can send 150 people out to whatever area, grow, send those people out to other areas, and do that until Jesus Christ comes back, and hopefully have a ton of churches in every little pocket all over Middle Tennessee. That's kind of our hope, okay? You guys clapped, and then you saw that first line. So what do I need from you? It's not as bad at this service this morning because there's a little bit of room in here. But listen, I need you guys to get here on time, the Sunday services. Here's why. Not because I'm OCD, which I am, but it has something else to do with it. If people come in during worship and everyone's standing up, it's really, really hard to see where to sit. And so if we've been coming here for a long time, here's what I'm asking for you. Not visitors, because you have the luxury. You can, you can come in late. You just started coming. But those of you who've been here for a while, come in, come to the center, come to the front. So when everyone is standing up for worship, if a newcomer comes in, they have an easy time finding a seat. That's us just being selfless. Get here early, sit in the middle, sit up front. It's just what we need to do to make sure that there's seats for everyone else. Here's another thing. Pray about, pray about coming possibly to our 7 p.m. service. It's our smallest service, and if you would like a smaller environment, I love the 7 o'clock service. We don't record it. I can say anything I want. It's beautiful. <laughs> I told a joke last night that I could never get away with on a Sunday. Told it last night. It's fantastic. Yep, you're not going to hear it. You got to come, right? To a Saturday. 
If you live out in the Unionville, Chapel Hill, uh, Rockvale, Eagleville, College Grove area, pray about going to that campus. If you live out towards uh, Woodbury or in Cannon County, please consider going to that campus. That would help us a lot. We also need your generosity. Listen, listen, you can mark me, mark my words. I will never do a campaign for your money. I'll never make you sign a pledge card. I'm never gonna hunt down everyone's name and send you an email. If you, I'm not gonna do that, I'm not gonna do it. But let me tell you this, if we all gave our tithe at this church, we could pay this building off in about four months. So I just wanna tell you, listen, and that's, I don't get a bonus if you do that, right? I don't get commission or anything like that. It just means we can start churches faster. It means we can do more for our community. The quicker we pay this off, the more we can give to Murfreesboro, to, to other cities, to places in New England, other sides of the world. I also need you to be faithful in your serving and attending. Actually, I don't need that. You need that. It's good for our church. It's good for each other if you're just here. Just be here and serve. Get involved. Get involved. I hope this comes off with humility and not any kind of arrogance. I also need you to have reasonable expectations of me. I work six days a week, and I'm not crying the blues. It was, it was my decision, and I love what I do but I give up 51 Saturdays a year for my wife and kids. And so if you call me on a Friday and I don't answer, it's not because I don't love you. It's because I love my wife and kids more and that's my day with them. So have reasonable expectations of me, okay? And you guys are pretty good with that. But sometimes in the past, and this is no exaggeration, I've had people walk up to me and say, so-and-so is gonna kill themselves if you don't do something. I, I tell them, you can't do that to me. That's unfair. That's, that's an unreasonable expectation. My marriage is gonna fall apart if you don't talk to me right now. Well, you've been messing up your marriage for a decade. I can't fix it in 10 minutes. I'm sorry. I just can't do it. And so you have to have reasonable expectations of me. All my staff also work six days a week. They also have spouses and kids. So just remember, we're imperfect. We're not omnipresent. And um, we have families and needs as well. Just please. Um, I also ask you, you need to pray for our church. When I say our church, I mean each other. We need to pray for this, guys. The world needs us. Listen, mark my words. 2020 is gonna be a mess. There's gonna be so much divisiveness. There's gonna be so much venom spewed at each other. There's gonna be people within the church, not our church, but, but people within the big church who are going to be at each other's throat. Different denominations are starting to crumble. A lot of stuff's gonna happen. We need each other. We need to pray for each other. I need your prayers I need wisdom, guys. I've never done this before. I've never pastored 5,000 people before. So I need your prayers. I need you to pray for me and my family. Pray for us. Pray for each other. Pray for your city. Um, not trying to brag, Mayor Shane McFarland was at the nine o'clock. Pray for our city. Pray for our mayor. Pray for our police department, sheriff's department. Pray for your city. They need God. We need God. They need God. So to wrap it up, this year, I know we need God every year. But I just feel so impressed this year. We've got to have a tight connection with Jesus Christ. We've got to. How do we do that? It's so simple. It's just like that, that five-step thing that I showed you earlier. We have to read the word of God. We have to pray. We have to eat. Look, we're about to start the book of Matthew. If you don't know how to read, just get a Bible and read just the chapter ahead of me every week. Just start there. Build a prayer life. Try to pray every single day. Learn, come to our classes, get involved in that development, grow your theology and your knowledge of the word and of Jesus. Get involved in community and serve each other. That's how we build a tight relationship with God. 
And we must also remember how utterly dependent we are on him. I know that sounds like the most simple phrase in the world, but we have to have it locked away in our brain that without God's help, without God's grace, we are in trouble. So we must lean on him. Got to lean on each other and we have to lean on him. This year, we also have to think beyond ourselves. What that means is this. If you come here at the 9 or 11 o'clock service and there's a ton of cars out there and you got to park way down at some factory, you don't even know what they make down there. Listen, instead of swearing and cursing all the way up to the building, praise God that so many people are hearing the word of God today, right? When you come in, if you come in and someone's taking where you usually sit and you're like, Praise God that we're running out of seats. These are more people that are hearing the truth. What we study in this room is life-changing. It is soul-saving. I know we need it, but other people need it too. Other people need it too. So it's imperative, guys, that you and I, all of us in this room, that we get to know people in our community, that we love them, that we, we model Jesus to them, and that we tell them about Jesus. Not only that, as a church, we gotta plant more churches. There's so many other areas that need churches and we've gotta start going out and doing that work. We cannot grow a personal relationship with Jesus and we cannot love others though if we don't adopt the attitude of Jesus, which means we have to intentionally work to have a stronger relationship with God. We have to continually work to be servants. Look, to our friends, Servants to our spouses, servants to our families, servants to even those that oppose the faith, that we love them and serve even those that hate us. I know that sounds crazy, but when we get into Matthew, Jesus says some crazy stuff. If they slap your left cheek, give them your right. If they steal your shoes, offer them your shirt. If they ask you to go a mile, walk two miles. Pray for those that persecute you. Love those that hate you. Jesus said all those things. And that's crazy in our culture. But that's what we're called to do. That's the attitude of Jesus Christ. And if we will just be humble, and if we will do what the Lord tells us to do, God will absolutely change our lives and he will empower us to go out and be the catalyst for other people's lives to be changed. Listen, here's how I want to encourage you today. When we talk about the church, I always get on to people. If you're talking to me and you say, man, people walk up to me at Starbucks and they're just like, man, your church has changed my life. And I'm like, oh, what is that? It's your church. We're the church. We're all the church. Don't forget that. Don't forget that all of our roles in this room are vital to the kingdom of God advancing. That what we do when we study, when we read, when we listen, and then we put this in our, our heads and we put it in our hearts and we go out and we lead our families different and we treat our neighbors different and we work differently and we study differently at school. When we do that, we are advancing the kingdom of God and there are eternal ramifications for what we're doing right now. Heaven and hell, heaven and hell. And if we can adopt the attitudes of Jesus, we can take a bit of heaven out into the world. We can shine that light into the darkness and people's lives will be changed forever, forever. That's us, that's all of us together. We have a lot of work to do. 10% of this one nation under God goes to church on a weekly basis. I don't know if that bothers anyone else besides me. Do you, do you guys know that only 30% of Rutherford County goes to church? Did you know that? 
30% of Rutherford County claims to be a part of a house of worship, and that includes the Buddhist temple and the Muslim mosque. We're not hitting home runs, even in Rutherford County, guys. We got a lot of work to do, okay? I love you guys. You are a wonderful church, and you're a joy to work for and to serve. And um, I just wanna keep doing it with you for a long time, and I wanna keep seeing God do amazing things through us. Is it gonna be easy? No, not at all. It's gonna be hard, but it's gonna be worth it, okay? Guys, if you're in this room up here in a minute, Pastor Greg, he's our executive pastor. If you're in this room and you are not a Christian, if you have any questions, come up here and talk to Greg. He'd love to talk to you. There's men and women on both sides of the stage here in a moment. If you need prayer for anything, come up here and get prayer. And then the last thing is we have communion all the way around this room. If you wanna take the body and blood of Jesus Christ, we either ask that you repent for your sin before you take that, or if you don't wanna take that, just please be respectful on your way out, okay? Bow your heads with me. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you so much. God, I love this church. I love them, love them, love them, love them. God, strengthen us this year. Strengthen our marriages. Strengthen our families. Strengthen our relationship with you. Lord, put love in our heart. Fill us up with your spirit and put love in our heart that we can go out to our city and that we can be the salt and we can be the light. Lord, let us have a renewed sense of of vigor and, and, and energy and excitement about being the church, not going to church, but being the church. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you, God, and I pray blessings over everyone in this room. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. I hope you have a good day. Go Titans.